This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Agriculture Department was one of the first agencies to reduce how many days an employee could telework. Don Bice had the job of implementing what some would call the Secretary's controversial decision to reduce a popular and successful remote working program. Bice recently left after 32 years in government, including the last two-plus years as USDA's Acting Deputy Assistant Secretary for Administration. He tells executive editor Jason Miller about his next chapter of life and what he learned from implementing that telework change. I've been working at the Department of Agriculture in some way, shape, or form since I first started walking in the door as a summer intern back in 1988 as a GS2. So I've been thinking a lot about my next career. As it just so happens, my very first supervisor at USDA recently passed away. And her family asked me to speak at her celebration of life ceremony. And it really kind of puts into perspective, you know, the time that you've put into an organization and thinking about where to go from from where I am now. And certainly that led that and just an opportunity outside the government that, that's risen uh, that makes me want to think about heading out and going to the private sector. And I'm going to be leaving by the end of the month, by the end of March. Are you able to talk about what your next plan is or where you're going to head next? Yeah, so what I don't want to give up, the what I've been working on really for my entire almost three decades of service to the government, I want to keep doing what I like to call good government. So I've found some like-minded people at Franklin Morgan, which is a, a consulting firm, small consulting firm with people who believe in the same kind of good government uh, work that I'm doing now and really just going to go uh, help them in the short term, think about uh, where we should be headed as a, a government, and then uh, seeing where I, I go from there. Let's go down the path and talk telework now. There was big changes to telework. It was a little bit of a shock, I think, to the system. And there's a feeling in, in, in some circumstances that instead of pulling that Band-Aid off a little at a time, it was basically ripped off. And we all know what that feels like, right? You, it takes all your hair and your arm off, and it hurts. Maybe it's the best way to do it sometimes, but we all dread that, that feeling. Walk me through a little bit about the decision to change the telework policy. You know, I'm a, a big proponent as a career employee. You know, my, my job is always to provide information to the policymakers who ultimately make the policy decision, all the information that they need to make those kind of decisions. And it's the same thing we did with the telework policy when the secretary and those around him we're thinking about making that change in the telework policy. We identified several implications and options for them to think about and presented those options. And they made uh, decisions that you know were based on uh, what I'd say the secretary's uh, one USDA philosophy, which is that we need to be there for our fellow employees. And when I've talked to other federal departments that have thought about and have then subsequently made changes to the telework policy. My conversation has always been, you need to understand what your labor relations posture is. You need to understand that you're not going to make a change that will change your labor agreement if you have an existing agreement. Uh, Some of these things take time to do. And I think that what we saw at USDA in particular, and being a manager at USDA, And I don't shy away from it either. When I talk to other USDA employees or even my own employees, when we made those changes to the telework policy, I brought it up at meetings. I made sure people who wanted to talk about it got a chance to talk about it. And when you talk about sort of the 
unfortunate examples that everyone is aware of, they recognize and, and people do recognize, yeah, there was some abuse of the system which led to perhaps some negative reaction towards teleworking. I kind of liken it to a pendulum and the pendulum had swung so far in assuming that everybody should be teleworking all the time that it really impacted our ability to deliver the mission. And we had some rules in particular at the department where, you know, you annually had to tell every employee in writing whether they were eligible to telework. And it was part of a grievance of eligibility. So we had some managers that were in perpetual grievances um, with employees about whether they could telework or not telework, which distracted from the actual reason we were there, which is achieving the mission and the efficiency of the service. And I think the policy as it stands recognizes that if there are positions that are eligible to be teleworked 100%, those are called remote positions, and, and we can have people who do their job full-time not in the office, but that not every position can be telework eligible. So I think the pendulum had swung so far in one direction, it's kind of swung back, you know, somewhere in the middle is probably the, the right place. I don't think anybody was 100% happy with telework before this administration, and certainly no one's going to be, from what I understand, not everybody's happy now. But to me, the ultimate way to tell whether it's working or not is to look at our key performance indicators, you know, the things that we rate ourselves on in the department, our strategic plan goals and our annual performance goals, and say, are we meeting those? And if we're not meeting those, then I think that's a red flag, but we are meeting those and we continue to meet those. So the achievement of our mission has not changed based on the change in the telework policy. It certainly has led to some inconvenience perhaps to some employees who were used to teleworking more than they had before. But ultimately, I think there's a, a spot where they're going to be happy and where you know stakeholders who need whatever the services are that we're providing get those services. That was the other thing that was interesting, the statistics around who started teleworking. We had an increase in the number of people who applied to do telework from when after we changed the, the policy. So we had more people who were eligible to telework based on supervisory uh, determinations and more people who signed up to do more regular telework than before we made the change in policy. Um, so I think people saw that they had opportunities to telework and some people took those opportunities when they may not have taken it before. So in some ways, I think it's kind of made us resilient enough uh, in the department to be able to be responsive and uh, flexible enough. Uh, so we have more people who had telework um, plans than we had before. So it actually made the ability to respond to some of these kind of crises easier because people had telework plans. That's an interesting point you bring up that more people realize that they were eligible based on supervisor determinations than previously. What's the one maybe big lesson you learned or that you'd pass on to others as they kind of work through, you know, post coronavirus as things get back to quote unquote normal? This certainly is an extraordinary circumstance where we've had a real liberalization of the telework policies for great reasons. 
But at the end of the day, when people come back and we look at the services that we are delivering, we may need to make sure that we reset what people are doing to make sure that we are being as efficient as we can in delivering the the needed services that our, our public demands and, and asks for. So it's going to be a communication really between employee and supervisors when they come back to say, hey, it either worked or didn't. And if it worked more, then maybe we should entertain um, whether there's more opportunities to, to telework or here's a new set of things that you can do when you telework because the technology now is better than it was ever before. So maybe we could do some of the things that we couldn't do before because we didn't have to do them uh, remotely. Now we can do those remotely. So let's think about ways we could be paperless. Um, let's think about ways we can change our processes without changing the underlying outcomes that we want but maybe there are things that we don't need to do to be more efficient in how we do it. And this is an opportunity, really, to think about doing things differently. Don Bice recently left after 32 years in government, including the last two-plus years as USDA's Acting Deputy Assistant Secretary for Administration. He spoke there with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resources page at federalnewsnetwork.com. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash bestmusic to get Live One Plus now. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. <laughs> 